I think that there's so many different ways that we can do it differently as an individual and then how that will affect our sphere of influence, our community, whatever that looks like. And then as a global space, that as we evolve as individual leaders, as a collective, we join together to actually help shift it in much yep. greater ways. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Kira okay. Marie, mm. welcome to the decision table. Why, thank you. Yeah, we're turning the tables today. That's that's what we've got to call this episode, turning the tables, right? Turning the tables. Turning the tables. And today, mm. you're the guest on the decision table. Let's take a deep dive into the mind of Kira Marie Moore. And let's find out, really, the theme of this month has been humanity as stakeholder, which I know is something you are absolutely intensely so passionate about. And we've decided to, to make that, what, number three, the trifecta, mm. the, the, the crowning jewel in you know this last three months runs of decision table episodes so let, let, let's open up with the usual question what does it mean for you where humanity is a stakeholder yeah so there's so many layers like everything that we've spoken about before from the need for the a new approach to leadership from the secret advantage really being the muscle of human intelligence and then now to humanity being stakeholders for me there's so many layers to all three of those things and i i would do it disservice to to answer in one one sentence but i think to start the conversation a lot of it is around the fact that we are often and you know we talk about about it in society about segregation i believe we even segregate ourselves coming to the table wow. and yeah like you're meant to turn up at work and be the work person mm -hmm. you're you're you turn up at home and you're meant to be the home person you turn up at the medical appointment with your child and you're meant to be the parent person and we don't actually just segregate every piece of that in our world. We take everything into everything we do. Yet the processes, the systems, the thinking behind decisions are made with just one of those things in mind. And even if we put that to how we make decisions, we often just look at one person thinking, this is who we're creating this for, without maybe asking other people that might have different perspectives, different thinkings to come to the table. So there's so many layers, like I said, where we actually don't look at it as a whole. And what if we did that? How would that change it? And then there's another side to humanity as stakeholders. And I think this is really important as well, that, we talk about things like racial uh, tension, inequality. We talk about, uh, you know, not being of a certain gender or, and, and there's lots of, you know, questions and all of these things. Yeah, and there's so many, so many things we could talk about. These are all important things. Yeah. But it kind of goes back to, I need you to hear about me first. And I think what if we can go back to 
let's put humanity as first in other words us as a collective as a first and then we bring those things to the table which are individual issues or problems that maybe others are having to deal with by the way because it's not individual problems or issues they are a collective one we're seeing across the globe and if we come to the table we come to the table going okay here's the even playing field because humanity, we want to add to it or we want to take away from it in our decisions. That's that's the reality. Every decision you make is either yeah. adding to humanity or taking away. So it's kind of a great starting point for us to uh, be able to shift, you know, what is happening from problem to solution. And I feel the only way we're going to get back to being able to make a difference is if we put humanity first and then we build from that so you then bring your distinctions to the table so those are kind of the two major sides of humanity as stakeholders but there's yeah. so many layers and and we even within those things i can pull that apart 50 million trillion times i think the whole part you mentioned about segregation is really really interesting yeah. um and there are so many lines upon which we disaggregate yeah. ourselves some of those are what natural biological you know the way we are and some of those are social constructs right mm, correct can i can i can wait i'm sorry i just got to add because i think there's a third one oh, yeah. and i nearly forgot to add in this one and that is to give voice to humanity i think when we see humanity first as stakeholders we give voice to humanity and in many many cases we are forgetting to listen we're forgetting to see humanity we're forgetting to understand what humanity is actually needing and so that would be the third piece of that okay now you can answer the question okay good 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 okay no i love that i love the way you just went straight into the voice for humanity yeah there are many many organizations and there's many people and there's many movements around the world that aim to do just that Mm. what do you think is missing from where they are right now yeah so i think i think one of the things that is missing is that it's a lot of individual voices there's a lot of you know and you know through my work there's been massive uh backing up of data of how isolated leaders are feeling across the globe right now and in fact that's come out massively in in these decision table conversations is that there are so many leaders who are doing amazing things and it's it's there's an awareness within their sphere of influence, but what we're not doing is combining that as a collective across the globe. And I think that's the gap where it is actually widening rather than narrowing right now. And we need to start seeing how we can narrow that gap from these isolated, where people are trying to do great things to going, how do we do it as a collective in bigger and better ways to actually bring more impact and for that change to be a sustainable change? Because a lot of leaders are getting really exhausted because they're working really hard. Yeah, and that's a, exhaustion is a common problem, especially- Massive. Massive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we've all gone through it. Well, for me personally, even just being involved with Zoom nonstop, this is kind of like hard work for me because it's you're always constantly on a Zoom looking at a screen, 
I can't move around so much, I'm stuck in a place, I'm sitting, or when I'm on my other side and training, I can stand up at least over there, but I'm not out moving, I'm not experiencing the fresh air, the, the other things that might bring and refuel as well. Is that partially due to the pandemic or do you think that's also due to just human condition and the way we've been evolving technologically? Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of things. I mean, of course, with the pandemic, we've been isolated often even into our own homes and not being able to move. And for us, the borders are closed. So where I was doing global work and being on the ground with people, I'm now having to do it all the time across the screens. Uh, so, you know, and in some ways, it's actually made it easier now that I've, I've realized how to do that in more effective ways. And on the other side of it is it's when you're sitting down having a meal together, it's when you're walking to a space where maybe you're going to do some face-to-face -face work. It's those conversations that I miss, those moments that I, I, I miss of, you know, almost having a break in between a, uh, the next conversation is you actually had to get there. Now, time-wise, time you're more effective, you can fit more in but you miss out on some of the the moments that you might be in your car driving listening to a podcast or walking to a the next meeting and you're enjoying the fresh air and things like that so there's a, there's a lot of things like that that have changed because of the pandemic but i think you know in a lot of ways we were structuring a lot of our offices i wasn't because i was across the globe and so i guess in some ways i had the joy of knowing how to create an office outside and that would be my my back so I'd be sitting beside a nice island and you know the kids are playing in the background and I'd be able to have my meeting there and I know everyone hasn't had that opportunity but I did and it was awesome it's pretty epic so yeah we, we've got the good and the bad but you know one, one of the things that came to my mind is that really what's happening is that this these meetings across Zoom, mm. the the technical techno, technological advance yeah. has basically taken, well, I wouldn't say it's taken away, but it's reduced. It's our, added and taken away. So it's added in the way that we have the opportunity to be able to connect yeah. on Zoom and be able to do some pretty cool things with a lot of people on a screen. like. There, there is. And, uh, you know, I was reading, I'm reading the book called The Future is Faster Than You Think. And it's by Peter Diamant, uh, I don't know how to say it, Mendes, is it? I think his last name is, and Steve Kobler. Kobler, yeah. Kotler, sorry. And, uh, you know, and and I remember reading in it around AI and where AI is, has sort of taken us in a very short time, only 10 years ago kind of thing, where we didn't even sort of, have access to AI, that was only big corporations, it was only, uh, you know, big companies that sort of had the access to things like AI. Now, it is so much part of our lives. And this is a good thing and a, and, and a bad thing in some ways, right? Like, because it is a big part of our lives that we almost uh, are not thinking for ourselves. And so because of that, you know, we rely on AI and it's great when the AI is working for us or adding to us uh, when it's not that's a that's a major issue and and there's some ethical things around that too yeah. uh, but here's the thing that i really want to say is that in 2018 um in in a province in japan 
they actually had AI go for a mayor or something like that. Like it was one, yeah. And and I was like, wow, they, it didn't win. But what it did was, and what surprised everyone was how close it was to winning. Wow, yeah. yeah. So it is a huge part of our lives. And if we've got to embrace it in a way that it's going to add value. So yes, there's like anything. I think there's always things that are taking away from humanity. Yeah. But in this case, we have to embrace it in a way that we know that it's going to keep adding, not taking away. And I think that's with everything. So Zooms, yeah. with what has happened with the pandemic, if we look at what is still the basic needs, making sure they are met for a human and then develop things in our culture, in our thinking, in our way that we do work, uh, maybe we need to do shorter times on Zooms and then it's, it's uh, okay, have you gone for your 20-minute walk and then you come back? Or have you taken that moment to sit with your coffee outside to for your 20 minutes? And, and maybe we just need to actually readjust how we do it because that's kind of the way that it's always done. And I think that that's when you go back to humanity as stakeholders you reassess these systems and processes and and structural whatevers mm. that are being put in place because that's how it worked and that's how it's always worked but it's not going to keep working that way and so we have to relook at it and i think the best lens we can use is putting it through well is this adding value to humanity and in making sure that they are stakeholders at the decision table i like it yeah it, it is so, I just love the way that you actually brought that straight back into it. It was really, 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 really pointed and really poignant too. So, all right, let me, let me, let me just switch it a little bit in here. And I wouldn't mind exploring what's the alternative if humanity wasn't a stakeholder, you know, where, where, where would you see the world going? Well, I, I think that we already are seeing it. <laughs> I think there's some really obvious data to back up what happens when humanity isn't stakeholders. One, we look at space, we look at a different planet as an alternative. Why? Because we're destroying an environment here. We're not happy with the way humans are doing it here. So let's go destroy another one. No. Yeah. Uh, well, who knows? Uh, but I think... I think there's so much evidence, right? We know that, uh, you know, you just need to listen to some of the conversations on the decision table and you can see how uh, our thinking, what is acceptable to society is actually uh, damaging to many humans from rehab to the way that we see sexual exploitation to how we're seeing, uh, you know, we want to bring change and renewable energy to Australia and Australia is very, very slow to, to engaging in that because that's not the way we do it. So, you know, if we continue doing some of these habits, it is just going to keep distracting, keep widening, as I always talk about, the gap from where we actually are to where we want to be. And, you know, we are just going to continue to see this segregation of human humans, yeah. even within tribes. And I talk about this a lot lately because I'm seeing it so many times because even if you talk within a, tri a tribe of people, a community, even within there, there's a massive division right now. 
oh, but we agree on this and we're going to do it this way. You're doing it this way. And so we're, so we're becoming more divided within even division. And I think that is such a devastating pattern if we continue that. And, you know, there, there's just so much data to back up. I'm, I mean, everyone knows there's challenges across the globe. We know there's global issues. We know there's global problems, which, by the way, I talk about global issues and problems because I want people to see that the individual as us, everyday people, we are part of the global problem. And I think that we want to segregate that and, and separate us from, from it as a bigger, wider issue and just go, yeah, but we're just dealing with this. So let us, and we're, yeah, because us dealing with that individual, building these communities, we are either bringing the solution to the global issues or we are adding to the global Thank issues. You. And I think yeah. this is what we're seeing as, as a lot of, what are problems across the globe and and are you know not adding to humanity that's that's a really interesting point so where do you where do you think and this this is something that's just been playing on my mind for, for mm. a couple of minutes why do you think there's resistance out there well let's throw that around why do you think there's resistance oh that's fantastic thank you mm. um so my, my take on this is i think it's it's possibly a nature versus nurture debate Right, which is which is a classic sociological debate. Is this just the way we are, or is this the way we've been conditioned? We we see that, you know, in nature there is a lot of tribalism and pack mentality yeah. amongst you know all conscious living beings. Uh, you know, whether whether you're a lion that's in its pride, or whether you're a wolf hunting in a pact, whether you're, yeah. you know, living in the, you know, the, the the far reaches of the Amazon, you're still, you know, that tribalism. Tribe was part of our yeah. DNA. Yeah. Part of who we were, and it's that it was many in many ways it was that next step of of survival evolution where, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's the collective power of wanting to survive. But some of us haven't really evolved beyond that. Correct. And so even if we take that collective power, what has happened is we've let that collective power become um, so ingrained with our biases, our conditionings. And so it has evolved and we continue to evolve whether we like it or not. Yeah. It's just it's evolving in a way that's not helping us to move forward and shift that dial. So there's the argument that's, that could be said that is if we don't if we don't grow ourselves and we don't evolve ourselves, yeah, that nature's going to turn around and push us into it anyway. And well, isn't it sort of doing that at the moment? And that's that's kind of what I was saying is that it's kind of <laughs> there's you know there's so many cataclysmic possibly possibilities out there, you know, from biohazards to you know yeah. we've seen a pandemic out there. There's environmental catastrophe. God, totally. It's it's all kind of either pushing us to unite or it's pushing us to destruction. But I think that's always the issue, right? Like it's either going to, uh, you know, as humanity, we either go towards a problem or we go towards a solution. We go towards something that is painful or we go towards something that is joy and happiness and peace and whatever else, right? Like, and, and so yeah. what we have to learn is how do we realize that all of this is part of the evolving and yeah. we've got to continue to get, make sure or ensure that the evolving that we're doing is actually moving in a forward movement, right? And I think that it's so easy for us to let everything else direct us in a direction that we don't want to be going in. And, you know, as long as we 
bury our head in the sand or we say it's someone else's responsibility or we continue to keep just doing the old thing the old way, it is going to not change. And in fact, because where it's not going to change, it's actually going to create an even wider um, gap and bring more destruction and, and challenges that we're all going to face. And we're going to be doing it as individuals because we we will not know how to be coming together and doing it as a collective, you know. And and this might mean that we have to change the conversation. This might mean it, it becomes extremely uncomfortable. It might mean that we have to bring out issues that I didn't even know was an issue and it makes me feel really sad or it triggers something that is, uh, you know, something I haven't dealt with yeah. in a while and all of a sudden that's bringing up some things and and none of us want to have to deal with that especially in a public arena none of us want to have to have those uncomfortable conversations but i think we have to we have to be willing you know there was a uh, decision table that i spoke about rapists and uh working with rape, um you know rape victims and uh you know how can we understand the thinking behind all of that that's not a comfortable conversation let me tell you that's not a comfortable conversation because i had to deal with that in the past and every time we bring that up yeah. it's like bringing up a piece of something that is something i've had to work through so much in my life mm -hmm. others i know out there are either at the brink of it or have just experienced it and you don't want to bring it up to expose it yet we have to as a collective across the globe we have to start yeah making sure that this is not taboo the same with mental health yep. and rehabilitation stuff like as long as we keep saying that's a disease that that's oh my goodness you should just stay away from that person they're just dealing with that right now yeah. we are just isolating that person from being able to go that's something i've had to deal with it's something i'm working through but it doesn't define me as a human being and then you bring it back into the workspace yeah. and you go if i don't look like you sound like you dress like you I must not be able to add value at the table. And that is not a truth. It's just what has been society teaching us that is a norm. And, you know, that's that's destructive. And we cannot continue that because we are only going to have more males that are 45 plus at the table that look white that are in the boardroom. And there are not going to be other you know shapes sizes looks feels that could actually be more benefit in the boardroom and so we continue yeah. the the what we're seeing as massive data uh to back up how it's not beneficial for any of us it's whether a, we're building sorry whether we're building you know um, the next generation in our own home or whether we're building the next organization that is um you know on the brink of bringing another next piece of technology yeah yeah i was just going to say i think much of this is self-perpetuating right <laughs> much of it is self-perpetuating and so the whole point about having these uncomfortable discussions really so it's about disruption which is what we're talking about we need to disrupt that self-perpetuating pattern 
it is tough, right? These discussions are tough when we're having, you know, I mean, you've had some amazing conversations this, you know, these, these last mm. 30 days, even longer than 30 days, but this, these 30 days in particular, mm. I mean, they've been confronting, they have been challenging and yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes. It's stuff we don't want to talk about because it looks at some of the deepest, darkest, yuckiest sides yeah. of humanity yeah. and surfaces it, right? And if we don't do that, it just becomes socially normal, but it's not socially normal because now you've got people being ostracized. Correct. But by looking at it, it is uncomfortable. It's painful. And we've, we've got to realize those truths. The thing is that we need to get more people doing that. And it's got to be done willingly. It's not something yeah. you can force upon people. And that's kind of where I think there's some divisions there is that some people are saying, step up, let's do this. We've got to do that. And other people are like, no, no, I still want to bury my head in sand. Yeah. I don't want to think anything is wrong. And I think there's a lot of that happening right now because there is a, there is a, how do you say, there is a clash of ideas mm -hmm. in many, many aspects. So we've got people saying, we need to solve this. And other people saying, no, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. We don't but it is broke. Yeah, we just I, don't want to see it. And see. and there's this whole thing of acceptance. If I talk about this, will you still accept me? Oh, that's massive. Huge. Yeah. Or expectations. Our expectation is that we are to deliver the bottom line. And if we just focus in on business growth, then why would we be thinking about that as a person? But here's the thing. If I'm constantly thinking about a major issue at home, maybe one of my child, children are really sick and I'm dealing with that. Maybe they're in hospital, yet I've got to bring it and deliver it in the boardroom. Yeah. Right. There's there's never ever gonna be me at peak performance level in that boardroom that day. Because on the back of me, my biggest concern right now is not getting us tripling at the table for our, you know, bottom line. It is thinking about how am I gonna make sure that my child is gonna have the service, the resources, the tools to be able to make it through the day. Yet we are not even bringing that in and assessing that as a, well, maybe at today we need to be a little kinder on what our expectations are. So I think there's, ex there's acceptance, there's expectations. And then I think there's cultural norms. And I think that this is going to be continuously an issue if we continue as the norms that we've had in the past. And we keep that as, you know, we just talk about inclusion. Inclusion is so much more than just having different colors at the table. And until we start thinking of inclusion as, as so many layers to it, and that it's more than just saying a word and then going, oh, I just got a inclusive, a, what do they call it now? I don't even know what it is, but like, you know, someone that does inclusion in your co company. And uh, it's like, that is such speak and it's, and it's like, yeah, because I've got that now, then we cover the numbers and we can tick off a checklist. Yeah. I, I think there's so much more to it. And I think inclusion brings us as a whole at the table and yeah. we're not doing that well. You're talking about like diversity managers and diversity coordinators, like within companies and. Well, they've got so many inclusive um, managers or, you know, they, there's so many different names. And really when all this hit the globe last year, where, you know, this became a more in our awareness, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Uh, but just because, and it's died down now and there's so much more to it. And, and just because, 
you know, you've read a book, you've uh, seen an article, you've got someone in to speak, that doesn't make you more an inclusive culture. That's actually, that is actually shaking people's beliefs, you know, when you look yeah. at sometimes just having that there is almost like, oh, it's dealt with, but it's, Correct. Not, it's not, right? Yeah. Because it's not part of the DNA. You're not thinking about it as you're making decisions at the table. And what I really want us to get back to and is that if we put humanity as stakeholders at the decision table, we are really going, okay, every time we make a decision, we're using the lens of humanity. How's this going to add to humanity? How's it going to take away? Is this inclusive? Is this exclusive? Is this isolating? Or is this co collaborating? Uh, you know, and so it's it's just putting different lenses and then having different filters from that. That's at all levels, really, isn't it? It's like you see the government. It's totally at all levels. At all levels. But the thing is that governments are there. And, and I, want, I want to go a little bit into this because this is something quite close to my heart. And I just say, though, if we say it's at all levels, here's yeah. the problem that happens, that... And this is what happens about global things as well, where we go, okay, it's all at all levels, it's government, all that. So then it's someone else's responsibility. Yeah. And that is the biggest issue when we say it's it's government, it's it's their, it's at their level. Yes, this is at every level, but it's also at our level. It's at individual, community, and then at global. And that's what I'm trying to keep saying that this is not inclusive to a, an area, right? It's it's not that you just go now here and that's their responsibility that's for them to own. It's for us as humanity to own no matter who we are, what we're doing. And, I, you know, I always talk about leadership and global space and things like that. But what I'm really talking about is the global humanity space but there's not really a sector of that right now, right? And, you know, that's not really a niche <laughs> or a niche, right? Yeah. Uh, so I have to bring it down to leadership because I go at least here's a area in which we can start having this happening. Well, mm -hmm. reality is when we see it as humanity, that's everybody has a responsibility and needs to own what it looks like for yeah. you when yeah. you make decisions. I think you took the words out of my mouth when I said it's at all levels and you were saying, yeah, but it starts with us. Mm. I think every single one of these movements has to be grassroots. Mm -hmm. the, the government will only act upon it if the people are willing to have those conversations and they're willing to demand it, right? And this is, this is one of the things where we've got big political parties that are driving their own agendas. And look, while they may have the right interests of people, we're seeing the rise of smaller... Though that's questionable sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I reckon it's questionable. I honestly do. <laughs> but I get what you mean. I also think, look, honestly, no one goes into a big political party thinking, that, geez, you know what, I'm doing this for a power grab. They all go in there with their, with their hearts in the right place. Yeah. Unfortunately, somewhere down the track, they realise they get caught up by the political machine. Well, the political machine, but also what society has said as, as what is acceptable for political people to be doing, saying, being, right? Yeah. And until we're willing to shift that and expectations are to be shifted and then acceptance of actually this is how we do it now going forward, yeah, then things are not going to change there. 
we're, we're seeing the rise, and this is what's really interesting, mm. is that we are seeing the rise of smaller political parties, which are representative in niche sectors. Like, for example, um, you know, in, in the City of Sydney Council, mm. uh, you know, they've elected their first few members of the council, which are a part of the Small Business Party, right, which previously, like 10 years ago, didn't even exist. Yeah. But now, because of things like lockout laws and things like that, they've had to mobilise and, and, and start yeah. a grassroots movement to do that. You're seeing in New South Wales Parliament, they've elected their third member of the Animal Justice Party. Who would have yeah. thought that yeah. people needed to be there to fight for the justice of animals, but now they're there. But on the flip side, you've got things like the National Shooters Party. You've got very niche groups yeah. because the big parties are not representing. They don't represent. So I think I'm seeing, and I could be completely wrong and I could be idealistic, but I, I reckon there is a real movement now for people who are taking this ownership. And but even are. what you're saying there, in lots of ways, we're still keeping quite quite it's small little pockets and yeah, that's yeah. still very isolated pockets yeah yeah and and i think that that's always the issue is the small pocket is never going to win out the small the small pocket will never win out no correct i agree with you and the forces the force that happens is when people revolt together as a collective that's, so that's, if there's there's more humans that join together going hey actually we just want to see a humanity advance and it's less about being right and wrong and about moving something that we all do agree on that maybe things will change at a greater level. Because here's the thing, if more of us, and we've seen this in the past, you know, just think of it in the activist kind of way, right? Yeah. yeah. When people join together and start making a noise about something that is so important as a collective, it shifts something somewhere else and maybe higher up in leadership. It's true. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That, 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 that level It doesn't tend to happen so much the other way around. No, no. That's what it is. It is very grassroots. People mm -hmm. have to stand together. And that's what I say. If we can, if we can come together more as humanity and going, I know that I'm not going to agree with 97% of what else anyone else is saying at their table. And that's actually okay. But what I am going to agree on is one thing that I want to make sure that whatever decision we're making as a collective, that we're adding value to humanity. Can you agree on that? Can I agree on that? Absolutely. Okay. So that's one thing we can agree on. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Imagine that. And I know that sounds pretty, oh, well, that sounds great. But reality is it's the only way I can see as a solution for us to not be just fighting it out as individuals and maybe changing just a little bit around here. Yeah. But imagine if, you know, even if we took someone like uh, Mother Teresa, imagine if there was a whole, whole, uh, you know, maybe a thousand Mother Teresas at that time, mm -hmm. willing to do what she did and how she did it. How would have that shifted what what was happening and with humanity at that time? Yeah, but it would have been an epic shift, right? It would have been an right. epic shift. Yeah. And so that's the concept that I think, if we can do it as a collective, it is those little shifts like that, that are gonna bring the bigger shift. I've had the privilege of seeing some of that actually in progress. Like mm. I was a representative on the Parliament of World Religions uh, annual or global conference, mm -hmm. and it wasn't the differences that that we were discussing. It was the commonalities. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, that's what we've got to go back to. 
Yeah, and it's, that is so heartening because usually mm. on religious lines, there are so many differences and people yeah. focus on all the differences, but they don't want to, right? At a leadership level, they don't want to. They want to look at- Well, here, here's the thing. Like yeah. our beliefs are really different. Totally. Your, your belief is what? I'm, I'm a born Hindu. I'm, you know, Eastern religion is kind of yeah. what I'm, yeah. And I'm a Christian, so my belief is in 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 God, and and one God, right? That's that's my belief, and we can get, still get on. We can still believe very differently. Yeah, totally, totally. And we can also make decisions knowing that what we really want is to make sure that humanity is still moving forward. And that's because we look at that at, at the higher purpose, like really, right? What do we do, right? What are we here to do? Mm. Um, you know, and if it's be good to each other, yeah, you know, then that that's something that we can unite on, and we we can do it in our specific way. Absolutely, life. but this is what we've got to get back to, right? Totally and great. and I think you know, going back to the conversation of humanity as stakeholders, this is humanity as stakeholders. Yeah. It's saying it is okay to have different beliefs. It's okay to come to the table with many different experiences, many different situations, and maybe you come of money, maybe you don't come of money, but what do you really come with? The common thing that you want is to see that we are leaving behind for the next generations and the generations to come, something that is healthy for them to springboard off. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we're all cut from the same cloth, right? We are, right? Yeah, totally, totally we are. Humanity. Yeah, yeah. And the race that makes us the one thing that is the same, no matter what our colour is, our gender, our thinking, our beliefs, our values, whatever it is, our physical situations, our emotional situations, anything of that, the one thing that is the same thing is that we're part of human um the human race human race yeah and we've got to get back to that you know a perspective that i would love to add here and it's mm. just really building on a perspective is that we've got to understand as humankind it's not tribe versus tribe it's not culture no. culture it's culture and culture because we're on the same team totally we're on the same team and too many people think we're fighting against each other we're fighting with each other no well if in that case there right like I used to always say, if if God wanted us to be like robots, he would have created us like robots. Yeah. Every yeah. single one of us looks yeah. different. We've got a different, uh, you know, fingerprint. We, yeah. we don't look all the same. We don't sound the same. We wanted differences at the table. Yeah, correct. And so if that's the case, then why do we fight that the differences is something that is a negative I only ever see the difference now as a positive. And so we need to now come back and go, hey, if we truly are a tribe called the human race, what do we need to make sure that you've got what you need, I've got what I need, and together that we've got what is needed across the globe as a human race? I love it. I love it. You know, I love it. And, uh, you know, just from that, Kumari, I think what's really interesting is that it's our differences that keep things interesting but are commonalities yeah. which keep us together yeah i'm just looking at it from that point of view like that just came up for me right now mm. that yes our differences are important they're necessary because they're what yeah. keeps, keeps us engaged it's what keeps us you know interested in each other yeah wow and i love that whole part about god didn't make us as robots that is so because i used to think that i used to think 
why do I not sound like everyone else? Why do I not think like everyone else? Why do I look so different to everyone else? And that, you know, as a young girl growing up, that was a huge thing. And then I remember hearing that somewhere. I don't know where, but I remember, you know, if God wanted you to be like a robot, he would have made you like a robot. And I was like, and it just stuck in my brain because I was like, okay, good. I'm not a robot. I don't look like a robot. And I certainly don't look like anyone else here. And that is a good thing. And I started to figure out how do I make that a good thing? And how do I believe that that truly is a good thing? I think that's epic. I just love that whole concept. We were made like robots. So why the hell do we try and act like them, you know? Yeah. Because if we go back to it, why is that? Because of our conditioning, our biases, expectations, the way that society is building out. But all the good news about this and all the destruction and all the things that aren't working, we can shift that. We can disrupt those patterns. And I think that that's the other side of this, that it's very easy for humanity to settle and to be okay with status quo or to go, well, this is just how it's going to be. I know. I am a really grateful person. I am very uh, positive. And at the same time, I am never going to settle that this is okay because it's not okay if I see the numbers of human can, um, trafficking keeping on increasing. It's not okay if I see suicides, uh, you know, on the increase. It is not okay if I'm seeing, uh, you know, uh, violence on the increase. It is not okay to see that there are still many countries suffering at the, at the hands of dictatorship. It is not okay to see, uh, you know, humanity still not having their basics need. That is not okay. And I am not going to settle. And I don't think as a human race we should be settling for that. It is okay. I think think that is epically awesome, right? I really do. Mm. Because here's here's what I see it as is that if you settle, you're just paving the way for extinction. That's really Yeah. 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 Complacency leads to extinction and, you Mm -hmm. know, we can't afford that. And if we go back to the space thing, what are we doing? Are we just taking all that and then going to go ruin another place? Yeah. Because here's the thing with patterns. Unless you disrupt that pattern, rewire it to a different pattern, yeah. you take that pattern with you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I am honestly like I'm, I'm actually watching a TV show now, mm. which is actually literally talking about humans as an interplanetary species right now. Mm. showing just just the level of destruction they're causing within yeah. the solar system alone yeah um, and despite all the problems that they're facing they, they're not willing to put aside the differences it's now become not human humans conquering the or settling and colonizing the solar system it's now martian versus human versus you know people on the um the asteroid belt you know fighting against each other to people living on jupiter saying no we want independence it's become even more tribal so what what once united humanity has ultimately devolved into humans becoming basically you know scratching out each other's eyes again um and that's a big but it's it's an interesting concept because i remember when just before covid uh, had hit the world and i was um asked to consider to be on a board 
um, and it was for the um, you know bringing resources from from earth and to to space and then back from space to earth and and I remember when that came up as a thing and I was I was like wow this truly is something that we're considering as a human race to to really build out another society up there and an environment and this is kind of where a lot of this thinking has come from because it made me question well, if we can't even get it right here, why are we trying to do it up there? And if we have lack of resources still in some areas across the globe, we are wanting to do that and take it from here to take it up to space or from space. What is that going to add to to our environment that is already at pressure because of what we've done as human race and in many places, you know? And and so it just made. And I think that this is what is awesome is that as a human race when you know how to use the muscle of human intelligence we are able to question things and we question it because we want to add value to humanity not take away from sure. we question it because we're not trying to add to the problem and i think that often when we've questioned things in the past it's because i want to disagree with you nikhil and yeah. so as long as humans see that as a negative that if I'm questioning, I'm questioning your authority. I'm questioning that, yeah. I, and you might be, um, if I ask you a question, I will have an agenda because I'm asking that question. We yeah. have got to stop this and those expectations as a human race to go, anytime you ask a question, that's what, what it's about. What if we just ask questions because we're curious? What if we just ask questions because we want to see how we can change and disrupt some of these patterns? And I think yeah. sometimes we've got to, you know, when we come back to being human, humans and, and about humanity, we come back to realizing that as humans, we need to be curious and we need to ask questions because that's how we learn. That's how we evolve. Yeah. And then when we ask questions, we have to learn some other things like listening. Because when we listen, we're not getting stuck with our own biases and our own conditionings, but we're being open to maybe hearing a different perspective. Yeah. And, you know, so there's, there's so many different things that we can, when we go back to humanity, humanity hears, sees, feels, touches, whatever, like all these different things. Are we doing that when we're having a conversation? Really interesting. It's really interesting that you raise that. Wow. When we're having a conversation about really creating the next amazing sustainable solution at the table and we're going to innovate on that, are we really understanding what the front line of humanity is seeing, needing, hearing, understanding, wanting when we bring that? When we come back to humanity as stakeholders, we start thinking like that at the table. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. We've got to take our thinking from serious to curious, really. That's what yeah. we, from yeah. agenda-driven to impact-driven and humanity-driven. Yeah. Basically. But even when we talk impact, I, I there's something about impact that really butts, uh, like butts me. Uh, it gives me a butt. <laughs> I've got a butt. Not that kind of butt. B-U-T butt. B-U-T. Okay. <laughs> there you go. 
uh, just so I went through layers and you just heard me go through those layers for you. Uh, but here's the thing, and that's the but, right? We then struggle because if we are to do that, we may have to be changed the way we are. And impact is, is something that is known as a social thing, a human thing. And we don't give that enough measurement. What I mean by that is if we had a measure economy, we can see the dollars going up. We can, we can have KPIs that represent that data and we know where we're at and it's a really easy thing for us to go, we see the value. Yeah. When it comes to humanity or thinking, feeling, whatever it is, emotional intelligence, you name it, we do not have indicators that give us measurements that we can say that is helping us to actually grow our bottom dollar or grow all those other things that we need. And because of this, as a society, we do not make it a priority yet. We know when we're more mindful. We know when we're more grateful. Yeah. We know when we are feeling positive. Yeah. We yeah. are going to be delivering much more effectiveness. We're going to be more productive. We're going to be able to actually handle the teams that we run in yeah. a much more effective way. We also know that this is going to affect our bottom um, dollar, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And so I really struggle when we talk about impact because I, I know that every decision we make, whether it's about dollars, whether it's about humans, it has an impact, yet uh, the way we measure it as a world. And I know when we talk impact, people go, oh, yeah, I'll make an impact one day when I've got this business sorted. I'll make an impact one day. No, we cannot. And again, we cannot separate those things. No. And yet we do as a human race. We try to, don't we? <laughs> yeah. It's... um. I just do a final point from my side on this because mm. I think, uh, if you look at the kingdom of Bhutan, um, they've actually got one of their measurements of, of success as a kingdom. Happiness. Gross happiness index, right? You know that I've met him. I've spent time with him, right? With the king of Bhutan. The former president, the former president yeah. um, or the king or the whatever, he, whatever they call him. Yeah. With Honcho. Yeah, totally. He's amazing. He's such a beautiful soul. I just love the idea, though. Can you imagine, like, a country yeah. where happiness is a measurable, measurable? Well, index. happiness is an indicator there. There's so much that they made open door prison. Yeah. And so what that meant was that if anyone came into prison, yeah, they would welcome the family in as well. Holy cow! Boom. Yeah, and they saw amazing results because they were rehabbing back not yeah. just that person but the family as well. And they were keeping their family. Yeah, it, it's very, very powerful. I really want to get to Bhutan one day. And we were trying to consider building out a group of us, um, you know, doing a TED Talk. Yeah. Bhutan. And so in, in trying to get that. And so it would be a good excuse for all of us to kind of go there as well. But um, there's just so many amazing things. Yeah. Uh, but it shows that it works. Like, I mean, look at the kingdom. Like, they're... Well, there's so many things like that across the globe that have actually 
show and and actually you can be an ambassador just going on that one you can be an ambassador for uh happiness yeah um in 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 your organization and companies that started from exactly the uh happiness indicators over there but until we put that in society and make that as a true indicator of a measurement and i wonder how we do that better and more effectively and that's kind of what i'm I'm diving into a lot of my work right now is how do we make sure that these become indicators and, and absolute measurements in, in the way we run businesses, companies and organizations across the globe. I love it. I, I, mm. We need to be more like Bhutan, right? That's we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Alrighty. Mm. Let's take this conversation towards its conclusion because sure. I want to ask you, mm. Let's talk about takeaways. Let's talk yeah. about your takeaway from this conversation because I think that's a really good place to go and also set the scene for what's next, yeah? So what's what's your biggest takeaway from this conversation we've had so far? Mm. What's my biggest takeaway? I think, you know, what I love about us always doing the t turning of a table when we have a new theme or lens that we're using on the decision table is that it really cement some of the thinking I have behind it all. So for me, that's just having the opportunity to speak about it brings clarity around it mm. and helps me to really identify some things that are really important. So, you know, the indicators is something that I obviously, <laughs> from what we've had a conversation here, is there's real passion around that because I think that and the whole word of impact i realized i i mean i use it all the time but in the same way i don't use it because i it, it's that whole thinking of how we communicate what people's expectations are from that communication and i think that this become it's become such a a targeted issue in the work that i'm doing across the globe right now because there's a lot of things that i've said that people have already got their biases and conditionings on it. And we are trying to disrupt those patterns on that and then go, if we were to communicate it through the lens of this as that word, yeah. then maybe, you know, this is a prime example. Whether you agree with her or not, I, I am fascinated with Candice and the way that she has, uh, you know, really taken up in a lot of ways within we talk about tribe and, and so she identifies as black african-american and uh you know she's she's a woman that really says a lot against what most would stand for within that community and i think what is it really interesting beyond even what she's standing for and what she's saying and by the way i agree with a lot of what she says and i think it's really interesting but then in the same way i'm really open to some other thinking on it so i don't agree with everything but i i love the fact that she will question everything that is kind of made up their their tribe yeah and the thinking of and what i love one thing that's really come out of something that she said is that there were words that were created and the meaning of that word is very different to what society sees that word now and that has stayed with me and continues to when i'm having conversations because i realize just because i say it like that just because that's what I'm thinking when I bring that as a lens, yeah, 
it actually doesn't mean that the other person across the screen or the other person who I'm communicating this to yeah. has understood it at that way. And we have to listen to how they've understood it. And then we've got to somehow narrow that gap between what I'm saying here and wanting us to think about and impacts one of those words to actually that it just becomes part of your DNA. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that really is that really is humanity as a stakeholder, like in action. Yeah. <laughs> it truly is. And I think, you know, I don't just put these beautiful little phrases and go, oh, that's what I think. I really see it as patterns. I see it as things that we have to disrupt. We have to we have to question it. I don't have it all right. When you say what is humanity as stakeholders? I don't know. I want to know what that is. Uh, but I definitely have, you know, started asking questions and I see the power of it when we start putting humanity as stakeholders yeah. as the lens. Yeah. That's interesting. I love it. You don't have to know the answer, but you've got to look at the, you got to use that lens to see what's possible. Mm -hmm. And that there is probably, yeah. I was going to say something else is my biggest takeaway, but I think that there is it. You don't have to know the answer. You just have to be willing to look through the lens yeah know, and see what's possible but there's a, isn't that part of evolving yeah because if we know it all then we will we don't need to evolve you don't need to evolve do all no that's true we'd just be robots really right yeah so what was your other thing that you were going to say as your takeaway so so the other thing was is, is literally um comes down to the, the fact that um it actually our, our conversation kind of reignited a story I'd had from childhood uh, about my racial background and, you know, living in a, in a society when I was a child, which was not so racially accepting of me and how that kind of, you know, made me idealistic about, you know, world peace should be possible. Well, not world peace, but there should be more harmony. And, and somewhere along that, somewhere along my life. Why did you say not world peace? I can handle world peace. I'd, I'd love, love that. I'd love, well, it really was down that path. It really was down that path. I know. So you know? why did you stop? Why did you say no, not world peace, but... A world peace was the ultimate goal, but I think there was an intermediate goal where it was racial harmony uh, first before we can have world peace. But I see world peace not as people not fighting, but people living, you know, in a in a symbiotic relationship with, yeah. with the planet, right? So that's how I see world peace. But I love it. First part is is you know it's racial harmony. Mm -hmm. We understand that we are the same, and somewhere along that line, I think my ideal had kind of gotten a little bit diluted and almost forgotten, and this really brought for me just just resurface that that. Mm. Go back to that ideal. Forget. Don't don't think that it's not possible. Make it possible. Yeah. What, what, what came to my mind, um, and that's that's my what's next. I think you know that's my what's next is okay. Let's go back and operate from these ideals because I've got them for a reason. You know why not act, why not act on those ideals? It's no point. Can you tell me what what does ideals mean to you? Yeah. What, what does ideals mean mean for me? It's it's the way I I would like to see. Um, it's where I'd like to see things uh, based upon the conflicts and based upon the learnings I've, I've received, right? So so can we can we stop using it as an ideal and go, this is what I see as hope for humanity? As a vision, yeah, absolutely. Like, okay. and, and there's a reason I say that because ideals mean that, well, it's my ideals. Oh, it's an ideal, so maybe it won't happen. That's why I think there's biases even in that word of that, right? And, and so when you say... I see hope for humanity as yeah. Doesn't it just change it for you because it's the whole context, yeah, completely. Because you know, and and not just even in your thinking, 
but you can feel it in your DNA. Yeah. yeah. And here's the other thing. I, I see it as hope for humanity. There's a driver behind that. I want to bring hope. I yeah. want hope in the future for the pathway for my child. Yeah. I want I want hope for humanity because I want to see, you know, add value to humanity. You are more likely to make that a reality. I see that. Yeah, I see what you're saying there because one is more in the language of possibility. The other one is more intellectual. Mm. I totally see that. And once you're talking in the language of possibility, it's physiologically like already mm. like inside, like there's a, a shifting inside me, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and my, my whole thinking is just completely taken a, a 180. Like, but oh. here's the other piece. It's not that it's not intellectual, the other side, because then you've got to strategically yeah. figure out what are those steps to make that a reality. So it's not that one's less intelligent than the other in that way, right? <laughs> And uh, see, <laughs> we won't go there. And <laughs> sorry, inside joke, everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious, though. It's so funny. It really truly is. Anyway, um, back to what I was saying is that I think that just because I say humanity and just because I use the word hope doesn't make it less intelligent doesn't make it less and that goes back to we have to realize that the way we're communicating yeah. maybe words that we've put these own conditionings biases on and we have got to stop that and we've got to create what does that look like when we talk about hope yeah. for humanity going forward yeah. uh, it talks about the fact that we have resources maybe overflowing bank accounts so that we have not just enough for ourselves but for those that are needing it as well that we have to and what i'm saying is needing it needing it to be able to have the hand uh up to be able to do what they need to do and be able to domino affect that right mm -hmm. and i think that this is where we have to see these words and go i know this has been their expectations from them i know this is what we've said about this word in the past but is this truly what we're thinking about it for the future? And if we question that, what does that now look like? Yeah, of course. Of course. Wow. Wow. So, okay. Hmm. Do you want to use those as your parting words of wisdom? Or do you <laughs> <laughs> that was I love it. Well, I think, you know, I, I think as we know, part of this need for a new approach to leadership is evolving. Yeah. I think that there's so many different ways that we can do it differently as an individual and then how that will affect our sphere of influence, our community, whatever that looks like. And then as a global space that as we evolve as individual leaders, as a collective, we join together to actually help shift it in much greater ways and the and and when we actually use the muscle of human intelligence we are smarter humans bringing our differences to the table as human race first but being able to bring those smartness 
to actually make smarter decisions mm. and to and and when I talk about human intelligence I'm talking about the data you hold within so that's that can come from your experiences it can come from your beliefs it can come from your your thinking and what you do with that data that you've been able to input into what you can now output into the collective and then as a collective if we go back to humanity as stakeholders at the decision table imagine what we are going to be able to be able to do yes. to shift the dial um forward from problem to solution love it i mm. love it Jeremy. that's awesome mm. well thank you for uh giving me the opportunity to turn the table today that was You're very welcome epic is the word i use mm. just love it pretty intense though wasn't it i don't mind the intensity okay good. It, just, it was awesome it was awesome Awesome. Well, thank you. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.